We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. My name is not John Carl Lavas, obviously. Thank God. It's Brian Goings, producer and co-founder, but now also a host of Miami Heat Beat Podcast. Here with me today is Frankie G. How's it going, Frankie? What's going on, Brian? How are you? Doing good, 2K coach. So uh, if you guys are wondering where G is at, he's actually on vacation for the first time in what feels like forever. It's been about, I think, three years since his last like non-appearance on a Miami Heapy podcast. Um, I think he's in Denver. I really don't know which state he is in right now. I think he has a flight tonight that he's catching. He's supposed to go Summer League. In fact, I was supposed to go too. Both of us were supposed to be there along with Brass. We actually ended up uh, backing out like last second. So if you guys are hoping for some Summer League coverage from us live in Las Vegas, unfortunately, we were not going to be there this year because of COVID. But... Uh, we will still be doing some content for you guys this week. In fact, catch us tomorrow on the Twitch channel. This Twitch channel, you guys are catching us right now. And those of you are on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, you can also catch us on our YouTube channel if you guys can't make it live. Um, return of Hangover Time. Very, very excited for Return of Hangover Time. We're going to do a Hangover Time show after the Miami Heat play. I'm not sure who they play tomorrow, but they're playing some team in Vegas um, Summer League. So that's going to be exciting. I know Alf is very excited. Brass will be back. He's also on vacation, but just came back. So very excited for that. Carlatina is saying boo. Yeah, me too. I'm not happy that G's not here because I haven't hosted in like three years. So if I'm very shaky and rusty, in fact, my voice feels like it's cracking right now. That's why. It's all good, Brian. (laughs) You're doing great. Don't worry about it. Uh, But we are here today to actually uh, break down quite a few things. So we got a whole show sheet. Actually, it's like the first time we've actually planned out a whole show. So you guys are going to be pretty excited. There's a lot of like graphics and video and assets that we have ready for you guys. In fact, a lot of you already asked questions. There's going to be a Q&A towards the end of the show where I'll be actually be answering some of your salary cap related questions. So if you guys did answer any questions either on our Discord or on Twitter or even on the chat, I see you guys are still asking some questions on here, which if I have time, I'll get to them as well. Um, I'll answer them at the end. Uh, but I did want to start with the first, first topic, which is actually going to be about the Olympics. So the Olympics just ended this past weekend on Friday. 
Friday night into like Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, um, we found out that the USA men's team won gold in Japan, Tokyo Olympics. Captain America. Yeah, Captain America came through. He probably was my, to me, when I I was watching that game, he probably was the second best player besides Kevin Durant in that game. I don't think without Ban, especially towards the end of like that second quarter and in, in the fourth quarter as well. His defensive presence alone really saved their ass because, you know, France made a couple of like runs towards the end of those games or t- towards the end of the game and towards the end of the first half when the U.S. was pretty much going on like a 15 to 18 point lead. And they came back in single digits a few times and made it a really close con- contest that wasn't to me like it felt like they were going to like take a 20 or 30 point um, you know, lead towards the end of the game like they did against uh, some of the other teams they played um, in the earlier rounds. But honestly, like if it wasn't for Ban, I feel like that would have been a lot closer than it was. Yeah, he made a, a big Nothing. impact. He got to play his his more familiar role of uh, switching defense, do a little bit of everything, and he wasn't dependent on to score too much. He created a lot of screen assists, had some uh, nice passes, uh, making plays from the elbow, making plays from the pinch post, um, and you know making great reads on the DHOs and stuff. And then he, he unlike Draymond, he was guarded. Uh, when he when they would they would help <laughs> off of him on the pick and rolls, and they would try to trap KD or Drew or Damian, whoever it was, and whenever they would find him, uh, you know, Bam wasn't hesitating, hit that little mid range, had a couple of nice uh, bu- uh, buckets late in the game that you know just put were like relief points for them, and it was just nice to see Bam star in his role like that. Um, it's it you know like a lot of people will, will point to him like scoring five six points five seven points, but that's this is. You know, Team USA, this is the Olympics. This is what guys score. Like, Michael Jordan play, didn't average 20 a game in here in the Olympics. LeBron doesn't average 20 in the Olympics. It's it's rare for that to happen. That's usually, like, Patty Mills, like, the only scorer on his country's team. This is this is a different... Or Luka Doncic. Yeah, for Luka, that exactly. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't happen, Team USA. You just want Bam to fill his role, but make good plays, and you want guys to be a two-way guys. And Bam was the ultimate two-way guy. He was, like you said, one of the most important pieces on that, especially that night uh, against France. You know, he made a lot of plays defensively, and uh, he didn't get in foul trouble guarding Gobert and, and switching on onto all those guards. He did a great job uh, forcing them to go Gobert matchup heavy, and fucking they they bet their whole team and their whole country's gold on fucking Rudy Gobert scoring. When even Utah's like Bro, screen they, assist god, they count on him to make free throws, which he's never done in his life. Yeah, he's not. He was. He wasn't even able to be that physical with our smallest guards and smallest players. And and if he was that good, he would have been able to put KD in foul trouble with all the switches he got on him. And he wasn't able to do that. That's true. And at, with less which fouls, KD was in foul trouble the first time they played against France. So it was. That was actually very interesting. And, and I don't know if that was an adjustment because I know they still did a lot of switch schemes with KD, and he was really good on defense. I think he probably was the second best defender that night outside of Bam. Like he hit all his own, especially against Rudy down low. And and that team is tall. Like it wasn't just him. It was also Mustafa Fall was yeah. on that team as well. And I think they also had Vincent Poirier. Yeah, I think that's right. Correctly. Those three guys are like pretty much the tallest guys that were on the court outside of, you know, really KD and Bam, who were just shy under seven feet tall. Well, maybe KD might KD be seven feet tall. Seven feet. <laughs> on his on his NBA page, he's still considered six eleven or six ten. So yeah, no, he's seven feet tall. Um, but no, honestly, like it, it was great to see like how they played um, against France the second time around because the first time around, like, oh, like they had their chances towards the end of the game, like they made. Um, 
you know, they tried making a comeback with Drew Holiday when he came back in the front. I mean, obviously, like, that was, like, his first game coming back from, from the NBA Finals. He was just on a plane. So, like, a lot of that chemistry wasn't there until, like, now later on in the rounds. Like, you saw how big of an impact Drew Holiday had on that starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Just defensively. And, you know, and De- Nico DiCola was actually one of the biggest players in that first game in France. Like, he, he was great. He was, I mean, that's a really good three-point shooting team that, um, that the U.S. basically didn't really have to worry about throughout the later parts of the round, um, later parts of the Olympics. But that France team, I think, was probably the best team that they played. Oh, without a doubt. They crushed uh, the U.S. the first time. And, and, but like you said, Drew and, and Chris Middleton and Devin Booker had just gotten there. They didn't really have time to practice and they get the roles. Like the, the whole rotation and, and started lineup changed by the end, by the second matchup. Came, uh, by the time the second yeah. matchup came around. So, you know, Drew had established his, his role. Chris and, and Devin had established their roles. And that made a huge difference in the second matchup. Drew and, and Devin. Devin was a low-key a dog on defense, too. He was getting in, in, into it and scrapping. Yeah, I loved watching him de- uh, play defense. But Drew was the biggest difference maker defensively as the point of a Tarek guy, switching, uh, being long, athletic, and physical. The thing I love about Drew Holiday is a lot of these guys, uh, NBA stars, when they play for the Olympics, they're, you know, when things aren't going their way, they're still trying to hit a tough jumper. And Drew is just like, I'm fucking cutting to the basket. I'm taking it in on these guys. That legit was Jason Tatum. Like, I think not this game. He was pretty good. The game before uh, was against Spain. Oh, my God. He was so cold at some some points. Like, he didn't have it that night. He was just trying to shoot himself out of it. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, in that kind of game, like, you can't play him more than, like, maybe five or ten minutes. And you have to take him out because at a certain point, like, you're giving up way too many possessions that are basically just going out empty-handed while, like, in Frank, for Spain, like, they were just driving basically every time they wanted to with Ricky Rubio. Yeah. So, yeah, no, honestly, it was really interesting to see the ways that they they had to balance those those stars in their lineups. And honestly, I think for, for Coach Pop, like, I know a lot of people gave him shit, but I think towards the end of the tournament, I think he finally kind of, like, turned the round. I, I always say I wish, like, they kept Bam towards the end of that fourth quarter against oh France. God, right. Because I really want him on the floor when they kind of, like, celebrated on the court. I mean, he still did. But, he you know, in a way, like, I... I uh, there, there was. I mean, there was that one possession that Draymond did where he, where he basically tapped out that free throw. Yeah. So, <sighs> like, I mean, those are things. Like, I don't know if Bam would have done it, maybe, but like, those are things that like a high IQ player like Draymond. That's why you have him on the floor for those yeah. late game situations. So there are things like that that you don't think about, but and those are things you're going to see in the box score either. But like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the privileges or one of the benefits of having a guy like Draymond on the floor during those end of uh, possessions. Yeah, no, and and it's uh it's great for Bam, uh you know just over just finishing on Bam, uh these kind of reps in in high level high stakes in practice and uh, in in you know international competition has proven to pay uh, dividends for like everybody who plays uh, Olympics in FIBA. Every time they go there, their next season is is awesome. They they just come in way better shape, way more focused. They've re- they've reached a new level just because of the intensity of Absolutely. practice and the competition. And, um, and you could see it in this uh, level, this, this year's uh, Olympic team, they weren't like the overall heavy favorites. Like they've always been, they've, they were really challenged. They lost exhibition games. They hadn't lost. They lost a, um, one of the, uh, in the, in the beginning rounds, they lost their first I'm game. I'm still amazed that they lost in Nigeria considering how bad oh, they yeah. did. Like I thought Nigeria was going to be like a, a medalist team and they didn't even want to see Yeah, game they slept walk through that game. That, but that just goes to show you that they did the U, team USA didn't take those exhibition games seriously and 
And when it came down to it, they got they got their team together and they got ready and they got shit together. They got their shit right. They uh, yeah. Uh, it was fun to watch. I love I love seeing Bam in that kind of role and and seeing him succeed. It's so fun to watch. Like I, I we we don't appreciate Bam enough for being a fucking twenty four year old superstar uh, that he is. He started on on Team USA that won gold medal. Like and pe- fans are complaining about him all the goddamn time. But that's just like this guy. This guy was a late lottery pick, and he's turned his career into an all star, a gold medalist. Like he's t- he's done a lot, and we have high expectations for him. We want him to reach that. So we just got to appreciate him uh, now while he's playing, and and just appreciate all the good he does. Dude, he's only twenty four years old. Like, we didn't even win his first Olympic medal. Yeah. He was probably in like almost his end of his thirties because I know that was like the year or two before. The big three came together, so it's crazy. Like how much he's already accomplished. So he already made a finals already in his career. He was twenty six, and he's already. I think made, Wade was twenty six. He's right made now. an all star team already. He like right now, basically the next. What's the next like accomplishments for Bam in his career as we as we look forward to like the rest of his like later twenties? It's like it's just like defensive player of the year, making it to like an all NBA team, and then yeah. obviously winning a title. Or just like the three biggest things? Yeah, all NBA, uh, being a, a finalist for Depoy, if not winning. Uh, first team all defense, which is tough because you know there's a lot of really good defensive bigs and and like go, guy like Gobert makes it on reputation alone at this point. Uh, so Depoy is going to be hard, but if he can make it onto a first team all defense, would be awesome for him. Uh, and all NBA, I would love for him to get that recognition. I think at a certain point, you feel like those voters would probably want to pick somebody else just because it gets like if you're voting Rudy Gobert year after year after year, yeah. You you legit are making him like the best defensive player of like all time. Yeah. Because I don't think any 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 single I mean, who's the other like player that from like back in the day that you could put in that kind of it's category? It's like Dwight. Dwight. I don't even know if you could put uh, Zoe, like Dwight. Yeah, maybe yeah, Dwight. Ben Wallace. Like those are all time. Uh, ben Wallace would be the one. Yeah, I think Ben Wallace would probably be like the guy that you could point to. Like, yeah, he he was definitely like the best defensive player of that decade. But like that's basically where you're making yeah. Rudy Gobert being if like he's gonna win another deep boy again. Like. And and, you, and he's probably even better at this point than Ben Wallace would be because I think he's already won two or three, three defensive players. I think players Ben had awards. four. And then I think Ben Wallace only had no, two. I think, I think he had he four. Then, then, damn, that's... I just don't want to see... Rudy I'm just tired of that motherfucker. Thing. Like, I want to see some... I want to see... Because there's other great defenders in the league yeah. that like deserve that that chance to get defensive player of the year. A, and I feel like... Just because his, he's a rim protecting center, that's the reason why he's getting these awards. When there's more to like defense than just being a yeah, rim no, he's, he, he's Rudy's just so, so fucking annoying. He's he's the he's got the most punchable face. I don't, nobody wants to see him win. Nobody wants to see him succeed. Fuck Rudy yeah. Gobert. God, I'm so glad France <laughs> didn't win. I, I would have never talked to Bam again. I would have never rooted for Bam again if they lost the fucking. France and let Rudy Gobert talk yeah. shit. I want to see Rudy Gobert cry. This is this is the American dream. Is well, we saw him. We got we saw him get very emotional on the bench. That was that was probably the best. Oh besides Bam, yes. like holding up the Olympic medal, which we you see the pictures right now. I mean, those are great pictures of Bam holding up the medal. But I mean, there's pictures of Rudy that I probably should have sent um, our producer Brian, not me, um, our producer, other producer Brian um, of Rudy just on the bench, just like. He pretty much like he was crying or not crying, but like just very he was emotional. Like, had his head down, hands so, in his hands. Yeah, he. I mean, he cried about not making the All Star team, so he probably cried about this. Oh, too. for sure, for Let's sure. There was a Let's there was a tweet where it was just those both those two pictures of him crying side by side, and I was like, put that on a flag. I'll salute that. Absolutely. Give me <laughs> give me Rudy Gobert tears all day. Let, let make that a T shirt, Brian. 
We need Rudy Gobert tears as a t-shirt. I will wear that. I think G's in chat right now. He's saying Rudy started COVID. That's the story he's telling his children. That's the, the joke there is G's having children. G, I thought you were on vacation. What the hell are you doing right now? Why are you watching this first and foremost? <laughs> we need a where in the world is uh, Giancarlo San Diego. Are you in the airport right now, please? Oh, that's Let Brian. Me Never mind. <laughs> oh, that's Brian M. Oh, okay. My bad. Sign your tweets, My Brian. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on to our next topic, which is actually going to be more about Kyle Lowry. Obviously, now that we have Kyle Lowry on this team, we can actually talk about him more instead of what he does all the time, where he talks about the Raptors and, and slides in some Kyle Lowry talk in there. So we actually have permission to talk about Kyle Lowry. And I actually wanted to point this out. This is something I found out as I was going through some of these new contracts. Um, very funny that, uh, that Kyle Lowry's contract is actually signed up for three years and $85 million and $2, $85 million and $2. So those two extra dollars mattered the most when it came to signing him over choosing either Dallas or New Orleans. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was like the most hilarious thing. In fact, um, the guy who actually runs Spotrack actually Twitter messaged me and said that that was basically the price of the coffee that they gave him to sign. <laughs> Andy Ellisberg does it again, man. Just always. It wasn't enough to get. Wasn't enough to get Big Face Coffee because Big Face Coffee is twenty dollars, no matter what size you get, small, medium, or large. (laughs) I love that Jimmy says "fuck that" for all his teammates. Everybody's got the same price. I don't care if you're a coach. I don't care if you're a player. You're paying that fucking cost. (laughs) Fucking Jimmy. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, I I think uh, I saw some guy message me. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Why they they put the extra two dollars, but. I guess in a way, like it makes it easier to divide it by three. That's that's pretty much the only way. That makes sense. But uh, but but then again, like they structured it out by like these five percent uh, increases. It's not like an even base salary for three years. So to be honest, I don't know why they added the extra two dollars because it's not really, it's not really needed to divide it by three. If you're if you're not keeping the same base salary for three years in a row, you don't need to divide it. Sometimes uh, I've seen other sports they do it for like a sentimental reason. So maybe it was something like that. I have no idea that I really, that might be a question if we ever get a chance to like talk to any heat executive in our near future, like say like 10 years from now, my heat beat makes it big and we can get like an exclusive interview of Andy Ellisberg, not me. <laughs> That'd be a question I would want to ask him the most. Like, why'd you give Kyle Lowry extra $2? We give we get Kyle Lowry on here, but don't let G come on. Oh yeah, for sure. Let's do that. That'd be even better. I would love to. It, no, you know, G's had a chance to talk to Kyle Lowry and he, he basically like chicken out. Of course he would have cried. He was he was at a Miami Heat game. He was at a Miami Heat uh, Raptors game at the AAA, you know, now FTX Arena. Boo. And I remember he was he was actually there to write a story about Hassan. Ugh, boo. He, but but for, but for whatever reason, like in, during the pregame, like you can actually like go to like the visiting locker room team if you wanted to. If you don't have to go to Heat locker room, you can actually go to the visiting locker room team and actually like just talk to whatever like players on the other team. And so he was there for I think the scrum that uh, at the time Dwayne Casey was at. And and then like obviously like right after scrum you can like go into the locker room and start talking to players and Kyle Lowry was there and he just didn't feel like asking him a single question. Never meet you. And I really thought that was that was that was hilarious because like he's the guy that he loves the most and he he's asked Dwayne Wade questions like twice. I was with him the first time, not the first time, second time when we were at um, during Dwayne Wade's last like presser at uh, Media Day. We were there for Media Day covering it. His last, that was his, his farewell season. And yeah, he asked him a question, like asking about his legacy and stuff. I'm like, but gee, you didn't ask a question about Kyle Lowry? 
Yeah, G, G just Kyle Kyle means something else to G. You know, Dwayne is like your childhood hero, but Kyle is uh is G's adulthood hero. So it's a little weirder for him. I just think I just think G G talk. crying in front of Dwayne would was different than G crying in front of uh, Kyle. <laughs> Honestly, who's, who do you think it'll be more sad if Kyle retires over Dwayne retiring? Oh, for sure. Now and now that he's a heedle, for yeah. sure. Oh, you think he retires as a heedle? That might be something that that actually might happen. He might actually retire as a heedle. Who knows? I I could see him signing like a last year doing a farewell with with the Raptors, but. Uh, depends on like where the Heat are. All right, if like they're still contending, and if they hadn't w- haven't won yet, you might want to do like a uh, you know off the bench kind kind of role. But yeah. we'll see. I think he's we'll gonna, see how he looks this these next two years first. Look, we we us he, us Heat fans, we know like how quickly we make people Heat lifers. Kyle Lowry's gonna be a Heat lifer. Like, oh, absolutely. He's he's gonna take charge. He's gonna talk shit. Get a technical. Uh, from clapping in Ben Simmons's face or something like that, and we're gonna fucking love him. There's we no made doubt. Solomon Hill a Heat lifer in half a season, so it might even take. It might just take him to like the All Star break, and then he's already a Heat lifer. This is gonna be like one the preseason, of like, maybe even the preseason. He'll probably be done oh, by yeah. preseason. No, but by <laughs> this this team is just gonna be like Heat Twitter's favorite team for like 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 even if they don't make it to the finals or whatever the expectations are. This is just the way this team is constituted, their attitude, their play style. It's going to be so fun to watch. Just so Miami Heat culture. Well, that, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people like that. The original, the first year Jimmy was here, they, everybody loved that team for that reason. Like, yeah. Great. I mean, a lot of people obviously like still like love the big three teams, but I knew a lot of people who preferred that finals run team over those big three teams just because of the fact that like that team as a whole felt like a Miami Heat squad that we haven't seen from Pat Riley probably since like the late nineties, early two thousands with the yeah. Zoe teams. So I, I think this team probably embodies it even more now that they've added PJ Kyle and uh and Mark Keith. And that another you're probably gonna bring back Udonis too. So I mean honestly like they're not gonna miss a beat on that end in terms of the culture department. No and Jimmy Jimmy is much more Miami Heat culture uh like the embodiment of what Pat Riley wants in a superstar. Uh, yeah. even, even the Dwayne, I would say, just cause he's just the, the greediness, the work hard, come yeah. from nothing, you know, the 30th pick or whatever he was, you know, Dwayne was top five and he, he's flat, a little flashy. He was a superstar of course, but just the kind of guy who like, you know, leads from the bottom and, and come from the, that undraft mm-hmm. almost uh second round guy, all these undrafted second round guys. That's, that's what he culture is, is just finding those guys like Udonis and stuff. Marcus Garrett's going to be the next guy, just saying. Oh, God, um, yes. Let's move on to our next topic. Our next topic is going to be about actually the Kyle Lowry presser, and I actually have quotes that I want to play for you guys. There's three of them. Um, we're probably going to do the first one, and then we're going to lead into the last two when we get into a segment talking about some tampering. But I did want to talk <laughs> about um, what Kyle Lowry had to say about Bam Adebayo and his growth. Um, I mean, it's you gotta give him the floor, right? I've watched Bam, and you know he can handle the ball. He he can you know he can make plays. He's super athletic. He's high energy. He uh, wants to win. He's competitive. Um, you know, for me, I think just kind of helping him be in better spots and getting easier looks, right? Getting 
layups and, and dunks and, you know, give him the confidence to shoot the 15 footer, you know, when he's open, right. Shooting that little floater and, you know, possibly expanding your game out to the three, you know, for me, it's just about building confidence. And uh, that's a big thing for, for, for how I operate is I want to build everyone's confidence up to make sure that you can, you're basically feeling like Superman out there. And no matter what the situation is, the time score, I want you to, you know, feel like you can do whatever you need to do to help our team win. And that's what I think I could do for him. And uh, he's going to do a lot for me, right? He's going to give me some open looks. He's going to set good screens. Um, the bigs aren't, aren't going to help as much because he's a lot threat. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a relationship that can really uh, benefit each other. I love it. Dude, he's a lifer. I love it. He's a lifer. Like that, that was probably like the best introductory press conference. I think any player that's ever like joining Heat, besides maybe Jimmy, like the first time he, he like had his press presser, which that was funny when he got like signed trade. He didn't have his presser for like a good three months. Yeah, later. he was on vacation. I always thought that was hilarious. Like he was on vacation. He didn't have his presser literally until like maybe a week before training <laughs> camp. I forgot. I thought about that, that was always funny. But um no for Kyle, man, damn, like just like I I like the fit's gonna be so flawless with him here. And like I can't imagine like how much of an improvement band's gonna have. Oh from God. last season this season like his confidence is going to just go through the roof and i'm just really excited for that for just through bam alone uh, but, but that's the core yeah, like, man. That team like even tyler i think for for the simple reason like he doesn't have to worry about like even like really distributing the ball as much as he was towards the beginning of last year and mm-hmm. even the bubble too like i honestly they, they need a guy like Kyle for the longest time and and it's what's crazy is like and this is something that um, other podcasts have mentioned. Like the Heat haven't really had many point guards in their history, and that, and that can really even allude to this in a sense of like I'm playing 2K, and there's like a mode called my team. And every time that, that I play my team, I always try to make an all time Heat squad. And it's always hard to find a fucking good point guard to put on the Heat squad because outside of what LeBron at point, because like what they do for like for 2K, they they put like LeBron as a point guard and a small forward. They like put him as like a positionless card almost, which is like he basically like just breaks the game because he's like a six nine point guard that shoots like ninety nine threes and stuff. It's crazy. Um, but like really, besides him, like Dragic would be the other one, but he wasn't really a true point guard. He was more of like a combo guard, at, you know, playing point because of because obviously it was just positional need. Like who was yeah, like the Timmy other true too. point guard? Tim Hardaway, and even Tim was more no, of like Timmy, a Timmy was a shooter too. No, like we they haven't, haven't really had like many a... distributor like point guards in the so honestly like bringing Colin is going to change the yeah like the identity of this team's offense. No, I love it. Uh, Heat expert is in the chat. Shout out Heat expert. If I don't see fucking Duncan setting screens for Bam, if I don't see <laughs> Kyle Lowry's fat ass setting screens for Bam, I'm gonna fucking scream at Spo. I'm gonna scream at my fucking TV. Every fucking night until I see one of the, those guys better set a screen for Bam every oh, fucking yeah. night. I am tired oh, of seeing this shit. Duncan, Duncan sets a screen for Bam. It's a fucking layup every time. Uh, now you have Kyle Lowry, who's a great six screen setter, not just because of his ass. Elite, he, elite for his size, elite for like just, just like entire guard category. Just give him, give him the award for best screener for, for a fucking point guard. He just has he's a great. Base. He's awesome. Like that's that's that. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's just yeah. it's you, just you easy to, things you can you do. You have to point that out. And and <laughs> like I, I just need to see that shit, man. Um, I need to see that shit. It's not only that; it's the the playmaking and pick and roll. 
How many times, like, I, I laugh about it still when you look at the, the couple games that Oladipo played, but he he get, comes off a handoff, he comes off a pick and roll with Bam, and he's looking at Bam right away, and Bam was bobbling it because, oh, shit, a guard's looking for me right away. It, they're not the first <laughs> option. I'm the first option for to, when I'm open. And Oladipo, you know, they, they didn't have their chemistry yet because it was early, but Lowry and Bam are going to build that chemistry so well. Lowry, Lowry's going to make Bam such a good player. Uh, a lot of you, a lot of he fans don't, you know, you know, they they hate Lowry, uh, hated Lowry partly because of G. Uh, but man, if you if you got to watch Lowry play some games, he was just a fucking overall winner. He just fucking willed this, the team to yeah. to win. Sometimes there was in the bubble game three against the Celtics. They were down 2-0 and everybody was kind of listless on that team. Everybody was not responsive, not, you know, they they looked defeated. Flat out defeated. Yeah, everybody thought Lowry led swept. that team. Yeah, Lowry yeah, led that thought, team. To I mean, a they were pretty much gonna go down 3 0 in that series had um Norman Powell not make that shot, but still like nah, the OG, fact that man. They came OG back, give OG the credit. He hit that shot, not Norman. Oh, was it OG? Yeah, I it thought OG. it was Norman. No, nah. oh, oh, my bad. Either no, way, either, either way, like to to the point is like they were down a lot in that game and they came back. And honestly, they made that series like so much closer than what it should have been. They brought it down to, to a game seven and then they won barely at the end, Boston. So like as much as like we talk shit about like the Raptors and Kyle Lowry, just because of G's, um, <laughs> you know, fandom for that team and for and for him especially, like honestly, that's the guy that we've been needing on this team for a while, oh, along yeah. with PJ too. Like PJ doesn't get talked talked about enough as an addition to this team, but like we've been looking for for a quality four that could play next to Bam, and he's definitely going to be up to that task. I think as long as he stays healthy. Um, I do want to move to our next and, topic. And yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, real Finish quick. That, no. Yeah, yeah, no. To just to finish real quick on PJ and him and Markeith, they're both fifty pound, like fifty pounds heavier than Ariza. That's going to make a huge difference on defense and rebounding. All, and that's oh, all yeah. we need to say about that. And screens. And screens. Yeah. <laughs> next topic. Um, next topic is actually going to be about tampering because uh, actually it's something that uh, we haven't talked about as a show. Um, obviously, this was something that kind of broke over the weekend. Um, there was actually a couple of reports that came out. I think the first one was from Woj. Um, basically, Woj and I think Ramona contributed to that report. They were just basically said, like, uh, like both the Heat and the Pelicans were both being um, investigated for what they called tampering um, because of the sign trade deals that they made towards the beginning of the free agency period last Monday. Um, so I kind of want to talk about what, what that might mean in terms of like implications for Miami. Um, there's actually stuff in the CBA that talks about this is something that this and in fact, if you can pull it up, Ryan, that actually might be a good time to pull that um, graphic up now. But there is basically language in the CBA now that they added back in 2019 that sort of talks about what the penalties could be for participating in, in what they call tampering. But um, in fact, we'll, we'll probably go later and talk about it more. But um, Ari Voidman actually said it's not they're not being investigated really for tampering, but really more for like jumping the gun in terms of like announcing these deals. And honestly, like, like the way I've been like reading more into it, there's no way that the Heat are going to get penalized to the point where like Lowry is not, not going to be on this team. Oh yeah, but uh, I did want to go through what that. actually what. Yeah, no, I want to go and actually show you like what exactly they could get penalized for. So like, as graphics saying like the Heat could technically get penalized for a few things if they if they're like deemed to like. Who knows like what they want to actually look for? Cause they I mean what they have what happens is like they basically just they go back 
And they basically just take every executive's phone and just looks to see if they have any, like, any contact period with, like, not with Toronto, I don't think, about making a trade, because that's not, according to the CDA, like, you can contact teams about making trades. Like, when they, when they opted into Dragic's deal, they could have had conversations about trading for Dragic right after. That's yeah. not against the CBA. Now, what they can have uh, conversations about is, like, assuming Lowry's, like, you know, he's a free agent, you can't technically have conversations until he's a free agent that he wants to, like, play for Miami. So that yeah. might be one thing that they're going to try to look for when they do that investigation. But the other thing that they're going to look for, and I think that's something that's actually going to help the Heat in their case more than um, New Orleans' case, is um, just, like, the contract itself. Like, the Heat knew what Kyle wanted. And, and the reason why they knew it wasn't because of, like, the, the reports that we saw, like, two weeks before free agency started, or even, like, the days before that he wanted $30 million per year. They, they were able to talk to Kyle Lowry and his agent well before during the trade deadline. In fact, that was yeah. one of the things that um, but both Woj and, and other reporters were reporting when the Heat were in the middle of making that deal before they made the trade for Oladipo was they had a chance to trade for him and also negotiate an extension for him. And that was something that um, I don't think is being talked about enough in terms of this tampering allegation. Like the Heat knew what he wanted to, be, wanted to make all along. Like that's, it's not a surprise that he made 25 million. It's not a surprise that like he got paid the three-year deal. Like everybody knew that he wanted three years. Everybody knew he wanted in the range of like 25 to $30 million. So yeah. And, and honestly, like by like just the whole, like the whole situation and just looking at it like from the outsider, like not even as a heat like fan, like he didn't have the cat space to sign him to that deal. So like dumb jumping the gun in terms of making the deal maybe 30 minutes of free agency could possibly be a thing that they might get penalized for. But in terms of like not knowing how much he was going to make that that's complete. In my, in my opinion, like that's really bullshit. Like they knew how much he wanted. And part of the reason why they opted into Dragic's deal is because they knew that what he wanted wasn't going to be enough cash space for them to sign out. Right. Exactly. So they needed Dragic's salary to facilitate that sign trade. Here's the thing, Brian. I appreciate you're breaking it down wonderfully. You've been the real MVP of the cap stuff. Uh, that's why we call you Brian Ellisberg now, because you are that good. But here's the real fucking story. Mark Cuban is still pissed about 2006. Get the fuck over it, bro. It's been 15 years. You won a fucking bullshit championship right after that, five years later. Start celebrating 2011. Start re You should have re-signed those guys right away. You're still worried about fucking 2006. You're still trying to fuck the Heat. Worry about signing some fucking free agents for Luca. Work about build, worry about building a team around Luca. Who's gonna score? about winning a first round series, man? How about the, that? Yeah, winning another first round series. Find somebody to handle the ball to give Luca some goddamn rest. God damn, Mark fucking Cuban. Shark Tank, Shark Tank isn't doing that well for you, bro. Come on, dude. Like, what? Get off fucking Pat Riley's nuts. This motherfucker, <laughs> man. I am so fed up with Mark fucking Cuban. This piece he, of he shit. has a history of finishing in second place, like just a bunch of times. He's just he's just uh, still salty and, and, about that. No, he is honestly. And it, like that, the funny thing is like. Like, honestly, right now, they could really use Dragic, I think, more than anything. And they, they yeah. don't want it for whatever reason because they want to pay him his $19 million salary. And even more than that, I don't even think Toronto wants to send him to, to Dallas any, anyway because I don't think they have the assets that they're kind of looking for. I think uh, for what Toronto wants, they want, like, multiple first-round picks, which Dallas doesn't really – I mean, they could trade, but is Dallas going to send any first-round picks for Goran Dragic right now? 
No, absolutely. Probably not. not. And I think what's going to happen is this will probably be like an Iguodala type thing. Yeah, no, I think he's going to hold out for a while. He might play a little bit in the preseason because just because he's a professional, like, and we'll get to that later in the show. But like this whole like Dragic like scenario and 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 this whole tampering thing, like, it's kind of like it's it's done to the point where like teams like Dallas are really calling the league office for what because they they announced this iron trade like thirty minutes after free agency started. Yeah, like, like they're gonna go back. What, what's gonna go? What's gonna happen is they're gonna go back. They're gonna look and they're gonna be like, okay, the Heat did everything right by the rule book in terms of like when they when they probably reached out to his agent. He probably reached out exactly at six p.m. They probably they have probably have a conversation with his agent probably for a few months. What might have happened is you probably know for sure Jimmy talked to him a bunch of times. In fact, I think Kyle and we'll play that clip actually now if you want. Let's play a clip actually, um, Brian of Kyle actually mentioning the whole Jimmy Butler. Um, relationship um and and exactly <laughs> how he kind of convinced him to come to miami you know because it was you know silent trade so it wasn't okay this is the pat Riley part um but i know who they are me and smoke kind of go back to the um nba africa games games and um you know me and him always had a mutual respect for each other and i really you know his, his his passion is, you know, one of a kind. So I've always looked at him um, as one of the guys that, you know, really coached the team hard, but he really stood up and picked, you know, really fought for his team. But other than that, you know, it wasn't many conversations. I'm sure there will be a lot more to come. Um, but other than that, you know, of course, I'm looking forward to those conversations to be, you know, had a lot. Dude, um, like him, and Jimmy he, he know, he knows exactly. Now. And, um, you know, Jimmy and Jimmy, you, you talked about this for a long time now, and, you know, he kind of was continuing to chirp about it and talk to me about it. But, you know, as a true friend, right, he, you know, he doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what decision I made. He was going to support me, but he was really on me about, you know, coming to coming to the heat and and kind of fulfilling some things that we've talked about before and, and trying to possibly play together. And, you know, now that the opportunity is here, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Uh, to, to actually getting back on his team, you know, and besides the Olympics game where now we, every single day, you know, going to work and, and, and battling battling against other teams in the NBA and trying to get to that high, the highest level. Let's put back that graphic now. Um, that, well, and let me actually talk about this and then we'll, we'll talk about the graphic of what the penalties might be, but... Um, what Ari is saying right here basically is that the Heat, like I mentioned earlier, they, they basically are not being investigated for tampering. And he's the only reporter I've heard say this. So I haven't heard anybody else like confirm it. So I'm assuming he's correct. Um, but it's almost the same kind of deal where they're investigating like them announcing a sign trade deal like too soon for the NBA's liking. But they're basically, basically investigating for gun, jump, gun jumping, which is like they just didn't like that Lowry signed a sign trade that fast. And then if you want to look at context, like, I guess when, when they announced the Jimmy sign and trade, that probably happened because I know he had the whole free agency meeting at the uh, arena earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And they announced that he was going to have a meeting like at six o'clock that day. I think he didn't, they didn't really announce that sign trade until like maybe two hours later, like around eight o'clock. I remember we had, I remember we broke that live. Um, like we were doing our free agency special back then. So I'm just like looking at like, like in a bigger picture, like sure, maybe they did do that sign trade fast, but is it inconceivable that they weren't able to come up with those? Like, I think the biggest holdup for the whole sign trade deal, not for Kyle, but for what Jimmy back then was just like the pieces that they had in the trade. Cause we knew like Dallas wasn't, they, they were being petty for whatever reason, not, not accepting the heat's initial package. So like, obviously like Jimmy agreed to the deal, but that sign trade wasn't done. Then that's usually what the league looks for 
when people are doing sign trades. It's usually hard to come up with a trade, you know, to bring in a player when you're already capped out. Yeah. That's usually like the, 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 those are usually the hurdles that the NBA looks for in terms of, oh, this is why sign trades are hard to make because in reality, yeah, they, they usually are. But for the Heat, they were smart enough last offseason to give these team options because they knew that after they gave Bam his extension, they were going to be put in a position where they needed these contracts to be able to facilitate a sign and trade. What I think back then they were hoping that sign trade wasn't going to be for Lowry. It was probably going to be for Giannis. And they had a bunch of team options like Myers, like Goron, like Iggy that they also declined. Um, and uh, who else? Avery Bradley and Chris Silva. Those are the five or six contracts that they had that they needed to use if they wanted to make that sign trade for Giannis at the time. Obviously Giannis assigned his extension too. So really who was like the best free agent left in this market, market class? Like just Kyle. He was he was probably the best free agent in this class. Yeah. So like it's not that hard to realize what the Heat wanted to do this offseason. When right. they signed and when they, they accepted that team option on Dragic, everybody knew that that was going to be for a sign and trade. As much as we love Dragic, he was coming back for $19 million a year because Pat was being sentimental. He was, I mean, in a way, yes, because he gave him that salary and now he gets to like play out this last year with his deal on a $19 million salary, even though they traded him. But like they needed that salary so they could trade match the 80% on Kyle's contract. And that's why Kyle took a little bit less than 30 million, by the way. Let's put and that out there too. Like there's a reason why he signed the specific amount. Like there, there wasn't much negotiating. Like the Heat had Dragic's salary and Precious. Those are like the two main pieces. Everybody knew, like I predicted this fucking a week before free agency happened, that that was going to be the trade piece or trade deal. Yeah. Like the Heat didn't have much assets. If, if Toronto wanted to play ball and if Kyle wanted to come here, there was only like a specific amount of money that Kyle could come here and sign for. Like there's not much negotiating at that point. And to go back one moment to the Jimmy Butler trade, the holdup, what fucking team held it, went back on their word and said, Oh, I thought you said, uh, I thought you said Goron and DJJ, not, uh, or, or I thought you said DJJ, not Goron and, and whoever it was fucking Dallas <laughs> fucking Mavericks. Did that shit again. They they keep trying to fuck us. Two straight off seasons where, where the Heat are in talks with a big free agent uh, yeah. that the Mavs also courted and wanted in Jimmy and fucking uh, Kyle Lowry. Mavs try to fuck us. It's it, this should be an open and shut case. Adam Silver would be like, all right, who did the who did the snitching? Who's who's complaining? It's Cuban again. Fuck that guy. All right. Let's start it up. Put give Lowry a jersey in, in Miami. That's it. That's all, all this is. Fuck Mark Cuban. He's a piece of shit. Nobody likes him. Yep. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to deal with him on Shark Tank. Nobody wants to deal with him in the NBA. Nobody wants to sign sign. This is the reason why nobody wants to sign in Dallas as a free agent. They're lucky Lucas signed that extension, by the way. Yeah. Because I think in four or five years, towards the end of that deal, Don't. he ain't going to be a Dallas Mavericks for long. We need Goran um, over there to recruit. That's all we're going to yeah. say. I'll, well. We'll see what exactly what I think there's another scenario where, where Goran could actually play. They, he could still like recruit and also like maybe potentially come back to the heat this year. Ooh, teaser. In fact, I want to get to that next, but I want to finish this, this graphic real quick. So just, just to point out, like these are what potentially could be defined for Miami. Um, that last one voting a player contracts, that's not going to happen. But the heat, oh. the heat already like announced this deal. They already had the presser with Kyle. If there was any situation where they didn't feel like, he was going to be a member of the Heat. They wouldn't be, there wouldn't be as much promotion material already out for him as there is now. And, and, right. and to even more like to that point, like the, the NBA already like agreed 
to the parameters of the trade. They could have waited and held on that. that trade. Like there's no cat space that's being tied up for the heat or even, um, even the Raptors for that point for not like yeah. accepting this trade right now. Like they could wait to accept this trade if they want to really do a full investigation into this. Like there's nothing that the heat could have done salary cap wise that could have prevented them making other signings. So they already accepted the trade. That's not going to be rescinded in my opinion. Um, and other people like even like, um, What's his name from ESPN? Bobby Marks is also alluded to the same point. Um, he's a salary cap expert for ESPN. He's great. If you follow him on Twitter, he, he also had a breakdown on his own Twitter account um, where he kind of mentioned what these uh, implications are for the Heat. So these are the ones I think are going to be the ones we're going to be looking for in these next two weeks as they do this investigation. So there's the max fine is $10 million. But I've seen, I think, the, the last case that happened recently, not for the Bucks, but it was another team. It was about $6 million that they got fined for. That was the max so far of what the NBA is actually like penalize a team for what they consider tampering. Brian, do you so think this million, is why uh, the Heat haven't used the, the biannual exception? Mickey's no, trying no, to no, this doesn't. Money. Okay, so here's the thing. This doesn't impact the capital. No, no, like, of course. This fine, but, but this, this is, fine is just impacting Mickey's wallet. Yeah, that's, that's what, but we know cheap ass Mickey we know she passed Mickey. <laughs> we know he does well, this. I will say, I think if, if for whatever reason they do get fined, um, Jimmy better pay for some of this. Because that means he didn't <laughs> do a good enough job like tie, tying up the, the loose strings out there. Because you know for sure he was the guy like helping negotiate this deal. For sure. Yeah. It wasn't Pat. It wasn't Spo. It was, it was, I, mean, I mean, you just heard Kyle Lowry say it. It was Jimmy who's been talking about this a bunch of times about how they could fit together on the basketball court together. It's so so if, if anybody's paying for this fine, it better be Jimmy. He just got an extension for $107 million. He can afford it. Um, but if not... Uh, Mickey can um, afford it too. Mick, Let's Mickey, not play Mick, that. Mickey, Mickey can afford it too. He just needs to sell a cruise ship or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's... To me, I think that's the most likely is the fine. Um, forfeiture of draft picks. The Heat don't really have a first round pick until 2028 that they could even take away at this point. Yeah. I mean, they could take away, actually, they could take the way this year. They could take the one from this year, actually. It, it, he can't trade it right now until the draft. It's kind of like what happened with the Precious pick last year. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they basically had a pick. They just couldn't trade it because of the Sepian rule. Yeah. Uh, which is basically they can't trade a pick every other year. So right now, the one that they can't trade is a 2023, but that's hold up because of the, there's um, protections on that pick until 2025. So realistically, the, the earliest that he could trade a pick is 2028. But, just, just for this instance, I, I, I would think if they did take away a first round pick, it would be this year's pick. Yeah. Which, if the Heat are going to do get do good this year, like that pick's not going to matter to them, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Like, it might be like a high twenties pick potentially. Yeah. Fuck. It. Um, they don't they don't have a second round pick that they could really take away until later. Um, I think twenty twenty seven or twenty even twenty twenty eight might be their their earliest second round pick that they could take away. And then uh, suspension of team executives. That to me, I think is the. Of all these, I think that's the punishment that I don't like besides the voiding of the player contract. Because, like, imagine, like, not having Andy for, like, the whole year. No, give Pat a vacation. So Pat will be like, suspend me, bro. I deserve this. This is my fault. It's on me. And then Pat will spend, like, a couple months in Malibu and then come ready for the playoffs. Just, like, uh, like a little vacation for Pat. Pat deserves it. He needs the break. Just give, just I love how it's open-ended. Like, just says, it just says suspension like of team exec. It doesn't even say how long 
There's nothing to see. Basically, all this is is just up to Adam Silver to come up with like a number out, out of his ass. Like he can, you could say whole season. You could say like ten games. Like I don't know what. Like it's not like these are players. Like, like how many games is it? Is it is it punishment enough for an executive to miss during the season? Like half a season, a whole year? I don't can know, we suspend like, Adam Silver first for making the fucking players play through COVID and and not suspend oh, the Washington please. Wizards for spreading COVID throughout the league? Can we can we suspend him first? Like. <laughs> God. That's not in the CBA, unfortunately. It's not. I look. Jesus. Um, but yeah, no. Honestly, like these are the only. Those are like the only three penalties. I, I think the Heat, if they do get, I, I'm not even saying that they are. I think there's a good chance that they might not come out with anything. To be honest, I think they might have. You're talking about a world class organization that's done these sign trade moves before. It's not the first time they've done a sign trade. They did it with Jimmy. They did it with LeBron. They did it with Chris Bosh. They've done it before a bunch of times, even when I wasn't even a Heat fan back in the 90s. Like, this isn't the first time they did sign trades. It's not Andy and Pat's first rodeo of negotiating a free agent. That's, exactly. that's, their, that's their main like, method of gaining you know, star players is free agency. They know how to play this game better than probably almost any team in the league. They know how to cover their tracks. And I don't, it, if anything, it's going to be a very, very small penalty, like what happened to Milwaukee, like a second round pick. That's probably the worst. Fine might be like potential up there if they really do see something more egregious. Like I think that would be like the second penalty we'll see. Other than that, I don't, there's not going to be a chance that Lowry's on the heat next year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Also, fuck Adam Silver. I've got to say it once again. Fuck Adam Silver. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on to our next topic. That actually is uh, more about Goron. I actually want to show this image real quick. So this was on Twitter going, going crazy yesterday, man. Like people were just overreacting to this one simple quote. Well, I understand like why Toronto Raptors fans are like upset. Like what did they expect in terms of like Dragic and his future with that organization? They're rebuilding. Like they weren't a playoff team last year. And they got worse now that Kyle's not there anymore. So um, just a quote uh, on this image is Toronto, according to Goran Dragic to a Slovenian uh, news outlet, he said, Toronto is not my preferred destination. I have higher ambitions. We'll see. And that was about his future with Toronto. Um, we can show the next image, but I did. I actually want to show, well, go back real quick. Sorry, Brian, go back real quick. Just want to show that he was wearing his heat culture shirt as he was saying this. So it's just like, that's fucking amazing Goat. that he's still like repping the heat, even though he no longer plays for the team. We love um, you. It just goes to show that he's also a heat lifer. Uh, but here's actually a quote from 
today, actually, came out from Sportsnet. Uh, they, re- they posted a story with um, Dragic basically doing a follow-up interview. Um, and this is a Canada, a, Cana- Canada, a Canada news outlet. Um, he said, I was in the center of the city and the journalists were there and I was asked about Toronto. It was basically taken out of context. I, I told them that I had spent seven years in Miami. That would be my preferred destination for me because my family's there and everything, not Toronto. All right, next slide. So he said, my, ba- my message basically to all Toronto fans is I would like to apologize. It didn't come out the right way. I know they love their team and they would be proud. It is one of the best organizations in the NBA. They've already won a championship and I didn't. So what I said, it really was not appropriate. I think there's one more after this. And this is um, same quote, same story, but I just took it from Andy Chang's Twitter account. Um, he said, I cannot lie. Of course, I was sad to be traded. First of all, I spent seven years in Miami. And the second thing I have, two kids and family in Miami and you have to move to a different city. You basically need to start over and find a school and everything. It's been hard. That's touching, I think, from, from Dragic to even like explain his situation. This is something that we don't really get privy to like these players' lives, especially now they're in COVID. Like, imagine yeah. travel, like having to move your whole family from Miami to a different country. Like, you're not going to a different team. You're going to a different country, too. Like, moving your family all the no, way to Toronto course. is tough. And look, I know Dragic has a home here. He's had a home here for a few years now. Um, besides, obviously, Slovenia, like, this is his second home. He actually moved his entire family here to Miami because, because of COVID. Because he wanted to see his family more. And obviously, like, travel restrictions are tough right now. So he actually was able to bring them here towards the beginning of the pandemic. So I know it's, it's tough for him to, like, I'm sure it's going to be even tougher for him to go to Canada. Because Canada is strict right now, too. They, they don't have, they don't make it easy for, for Americans to travel to Canada right now still. Yeah. Like, there's, there's still restrictions. Um, so, like, honestly, I, I, I feel for him in terms of, like, the situation that, that he's in right now. And I'm hoping that eventually Toronto accommodates them and like another trade to hopefully a city near uh, Miami. It's probably, it's definitely not going to be like Orlando. This, that's not going to be <laughs> one of the teams that's probably going to go after him, but Dallas is still pretty close in the South. So like, I, I, I would hope that he can find a way to like make it to a team, but at this point, like, I don't know. I don't know what his future is going to be like right now. No, the, uh, I saw somebody on, I think it was uh, the heat Reddit. Uh, that they're from Slovenia. They said it was basically a mistranslation and that's why it was taken out of context. But essentially it's just Goran saying that uh, he was sad, exactly what you said. He was sad to leave Miami and he was just uh, not, you know, he, he wanted like a contender. He wanted to go to a contender team he can compete for because of his age and his injury history. He's yep. 35 years old. Everyone can understand that. The only people that are upset about it were Toronto fans. And Toronto fans have this uh, Napoleon complex. Uh, I love some of them. <laughs> some of them. Not you, G. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love you too. Um, but so, some, they're just, you know, it, complete inferiority about their championship, about stars wanting to play there. And Jack, Jack Alfonso, our, our very own Jack Alfonso, had a great tweet where it was like uh, the, the handshake meme thing where it was Goran Dragic, Kyle Lowry not wanting to be in Toronto. And it was just a great <laughs> troll. Um, yeah. You know, just, they're just so butthurt about Chris Bosh, Vince Carter, Kyle Lowry, all these guys leaving. Uh, and Goran just saying what, what every veteran who gets traded to a bad team says is I want to play for a good team. Andre Iguodala did it with Memphis. 
We, this happens all the damn time. When there's a salary cap related trade or veteran goes to a bad team, they're like, hey, I would love to play for a veteran team. Goran said he would play for Toronto which is a better attitude about it than, than Andre had. Andre didn't even want to go. Uh, but, you know, yeah. Goran said he would play. And like you said, he has his family. He's, uh, he's older. He's, he's only got a couple more years of this kind of level. Uh, it, yeah. And he's already had to t- accept the bench role to, to suit his playing style right now. And you, who knows how many games he has left, how many seasons of, of this level he has left. Before he has to take a, a you know a backup backup role or fourth guard uh, on a team yeah. role, and I want to see Goran you know even if Goran's competing against us, I want to see him in, compete in the playoffs. I want to see him play on a, a playoff team, high caliber minutes for for a team. He deserves that. He deserves to be uh, playing for for a contender. Uh, here's a good point, actually, from Fessbutter in the chat, and actually something I, I forgot. The, um... Technically, right now, Toronto's still like not in. Um, the Raptors don't play in Toronto still. They're they're still like technically located in Tampa. They haven't really relocated just yet. A lot of the players' uh, homes are now here. They're like in Reynolds apparently, and I know a lot of people in that front office and executives and stuff, like people in the marketing department and stuff. They're they have like they're they've been living in Tampa for pretty much the entire pandemic since it started, since they moved um, after the bubble. Yeah. So, yeah, that's actually a good point that Fess mentioned, but um, this is from Masai. He says, there's no guarantee that the Raptors will open at home next season yet. I think the government knows that what it needs to do, we have no interest in playing anywhere else. Tampa was great to us, but like Freddie said, Tampa's not Toronto. So, um, yeah, Freddie's no, it's see, uh, Fred, Van, um, Fred Van Fleet, but yeah. there's a good chance that they're still playing in, in Tampa to start the season. Yeah, there's, uh, the Blue Jays just started playing back in Toronto, and we see how the variance has been treating yeah. everything. So who knows how Canada is going to have to respond, and and uh, you know the Raptors as well. And it's going to. Yeah. I mean, for Goron, Goron would probably love playing in Tampa just because he would be closer to his family. I think that's you know? probably what Goron wants. I think he probably wants. Yeah, he probably wants them to be in Tampa still. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he's like, that's um, the next best thing, you know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I did want to actually answer, and we actually started doing our Q and A's now. Um, but there is a yes, graphic that I want to show right after this. This is actually um, a question I've gotten a lot from even this chat, but also like just on Twitter. Is well, what's hold on, the potential? Um, give me one second, Brian. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, Brian M, show show the, the the meme I was I was asking for. This is the Toronto Raptors fans. How come you don't want this? Me, is their man? real mood. This is just how they are about all this whole Goran Draghi situation, Kyle Lowry. Is that coming up? Probably not coming up. Ah, man, it was the Will Smith. How come he don't want me? They're so pissed. Nobody wants them. It's, you know, the ultimate pick-me team. Nobody wants to play in in Toronto anymore. Great city. You know, rabid fan base. But nobody wants to fucking play there. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry, Sorry to cut you off. Um. No, you're good. No, so this is basically the question I'm being a lot is just like, what's the potential that Dragic can come back and play for the Heat this year? And this is something I, I was kind of teasing earlier, but there is one scenario, kind of two, but really it's one scenario that I think applies anymore for the Heat. Um, it's this first part of this, and this is directly from Larry Kuhn's um, CBA FAQ. <laughs> um, so basically, a player can be traded to a third team. So Dragic gets traded to a third team, right? So yeah. he gets traded to Dallas, he gets traded to whoever. It doesn't matter what the team is, but everybody's assuming it's going to be Dallas at some point, but just imagine that, that Dragic gets traded a third time. If he gets traded by that team 
and he gets waived by that same team. So he can't get he can't get waived right now by Toronto. That's like the that's the worst thing that could happen to Dragic right now. Is that he gets waived, like he gets like a buyout right now. Because yeah. if he gets bought out and then he goes to another team, he can't come back. Like the only way is if he gets traded. So he has to get traded first. If he gets traded and he gets bought out or waived, whatever, he could get him back without being uh, um, up against the reacquisition rule. And this is actually something that they alluded to here. It, it almost happened to Andrew Bogut. So it was kind of a, it wasn't like planned or anything, but Andrew Bogut got traded um, from Golden State to, I can't remember which team, but he got traded. And then along the way, he got cut by, I think the Wizards or the Bucks, one of those teams. He came, he basically was on the market. It, it, it was his third team, you know, because he got traded from Golden State to another team. Then he got traded from that team at the deadline to another team. And then got bought out. So once you're bought out, you're a free agent. So he was a free agent and he was able to sign with Golden State. He didn't end up signing there, but it was the first time that, that, this rule basically was like kind of put into like practice, like it could have happened and it could happen again with Dragic if for whatever reason, this new team that he gets sent to, he doesn't want to play there or they don't want him anymore as $19 million salary. They could buy him yeah. out. They could just simply waive him if they wanted to, which seems weird. I think a buyout would make more sense towards the deadline is, is what I think would happen. Um, yeah. He could come back to the heat. And the Heat have yes. ways to sign him. Like, if he takes a buyout, the Heat could technically give him the biannual and kind of make up whatever lost salary he would buy out from his old team and still make some money. Sense. The Heat would be over, um, over luxury tax at that point. So, I mean, that's, but I feel like that's one way the Heat would go to luxury tax is to bring back Dragic. So, it would be like a case like, say, Toronto uses his salary to match, uh, a trade like uh yes yeah, say they want to try to get like uh say they want to get like a, some kind of like player in the 20 million basically what happens to heat they want to get a player in the 25 million dollar range they use, they them use as salary, filler. salary as a salary filler and and make that deal you know any point between now and the deadline mm-hmm. and then the other team cuts him so, then i mean then right now it's can sign him. They, well, yeah and the thing right now is like there's not a lot of players that they can really make moves for because like i mean sure they can but like Right now, they can only use his salary straight up. They can't combine him with anybody else. You can oh, only do a okay. one-for-one trade. So they can only use Dragic's salary and trade him for another player within 80% or 120% of his salary. Okay. So it's a little sense. harder because you can't combine him with any other players because he's already been traded once. You would have to wait, I believe it's 60 days. So 60 days from now is when they could kind of add other pieces on that team yeah. for a, a bigger trade if they wanted to. And you're, if you're so Toronto, I, you're probably waiting till December 15th unless something amazing. Yeah, and, and that's along. when all the other free agents that just sign, that's when they're able to be traded. So yeah, there's a lot more players on the market that you know could be on the trade block. So yeah, okay. I, I think it's safe to say that Dragic, unless something like crazy happens where he gets bought out, if he gets traded, it, it's not going to happen for probably first half of the season. That makes sense. And we'll, he'll, we'll probably see right, him so play ball some... unless Toronto tells him not to come. Yeah, no, I think for sure. I think, uh, especially, I don't think they're trying to like really, com- they're not trying, I mean, they might try to make a playoff spot to begin with, but for all intents and purposes, I don't think they're going to make it in the playoffs this year. So they're probably going to try oh, to yeah. rebuild and they're not going to need him. They're not going to try to give him start, like not going to give him minutes if they can try to develop some of the other guys on that team right now. Yeah, they have a number four pick they need to develop and stuff. So if anything, Goran's just a bench guy for them. So I do want to go um, answer some of you guys' questions. These are from Twitter. I got about like seven of them. I mean, there are like five legit questions. There's like three like 
not really questions, but I kind of want to answer them still because they're funny. Go. Um, but I already answered one, which was the whole Drogic thing. Let me answer these questions um, for you. Ask these questions for you. Answer these questions for you. So here's the first question. This is from Ken Bone from Discord. He's asking, is, asking, is there a way to get in there, play on the roster without going over luxury tax line? Yes, there is. In fact, the Heat right now only have 13 players, so they still need to sign a 14th guy. They don't have a 14th guy on the roster signed just yet. They could actually still go away with a 13th guy for like two weeks, but after that, then they, they do need to add a 14th player to the roster. Um, this doesn't include the two-way guys. The two-way guys are not part of this requirement for, for the, the main roster. So gotcha. he had 13 guys. They have actually enough space. In fact, if we can get the graphic up, I'm not sure if he could do it, um, Brian J. But I did want to show what the Heat salary cap sheet looks like at the moment. Nice. So let's see. So right here, this is the Heat salary cap sheet right now. So um, I already basically put the 14th man in there. And I put it as a vet minimum because that's basically all the Heat can afford right now. I mean, they could give a biannual, but if they, we're, we're in a situation where they're trying to stay in the luxury tax still. So if they're trying to stay in the luxury tax, this is basically what they have to do is they have to sign a guy to a vet min contract. What's cool about the vet min contract is if they try to go after a guy like Udonis, he's actually going to be making about almost $3 million or just, yeah, just under $3 million this year. Um, the vet min for... For basically any player that's like above nine or ten years of <clears throat> experience, it's for the Heat. They only, it only counts one point six six nine million. So that's why you see like Dwayne Dedman. That's why you see Victor Oladipo. And then this fourteen man. Imagine that's Udonis, who's already obviously has ten over ten years of experience. The Heat only get charged one point six six nine million for hit, for that you know for that basically cap hit for this year, which is great. Like you basically get a steal. You can pay someone more money. But that cap sheet to standard hard cap and under the luxury tax, it's almost half. So a lot of people are asking, like, why can't they use a biannual? Like, the biannual is 3.7 million. Like, if they're trying to sign Udonis or they're trying to sign anybody else, the difference between the biannual and just the basic, like, that man that's nine or 10 years of experience, probably like 800,000, not much. Like, you can convince somebody to take a pay cut, especially as it gets prorated later in the season. Like, I think they're going to save that buy-in for like, if there's a particular free agent that they really want that they're trying to compete in the buyout market, that's when they'll yeah. use it. And it's like, Florida if, State for instance, like Blake Griffin played. last year, like, like they, they actually had a chance to do it last year with Blake Griffin because they had the injury exception from Myers mm. Leonard's contract. They that's could right. have paid more than what Brooklyn did. They didn't use it. They even had the biannual last year too. It's actually rolled over this year because they didn't use it last year. But just wanted to say like, the Heat have options to give more money to any buyout guy later on. I think that's what they're going to do. Like, if there's a guy that they really want, hell, if they want to bring back Dragic, like I just mentioned, if there's a, there's a scenario where he's traded and he gets cut or bought out, that's that's what they could use to bring him back. That makes sense. Um, that's a 14th guy. If they want to add a 15 guy, it gets tricked here. Um, basically, you're not going to be able to... You already see right here how much ta- um, room under luxury tax. $436,000 is not a lot. That's not, I mean, you basically, yeah. that, that guy they could, they could add would have to be prorated. And that, and that probably would take them to about June, not June, uh, January, like mid, middle of January, almost what happened to Silva the last time they were hard capped, mm. how they, at, they had him on a two-way deal for a while. And they, they basically used up all of his days of service on that two-way deal up until that's they right. gave him that, that contract. They could do that. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. I think they're just going to save that roster spot for one of these two-way guys. Gotcha. Probably Marcus Garrett, and they'll and they'll end up signing him to a three year deal at 
the rookie minimum, which is 900 and I'll tell you the exact number. It's like 900, just over 900,000. Well, that brings us to our next question from Heat Expert. Uh, is there any chance Garrett gets a regular contract instead of a two-way? Yes, although I don't think it's going to happen um, during training camp. I don't think that that he want to put them in the position to be over luxury tax. Like, they could still pay him a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, anytime that you're on a two-way contract and you're, you're using days of service, you're being paid the, the, vet, the rookie veteran minimum. So he could be making that 900000 for the year while he's still in the heat, and it's not impacting the heat's cap sheet at all. Like you're basically just making, you're making the minimum salary while being a two-way player while also saving the heat money against the luxury tax. So it's not going to happen. I don't think it's, he's going to be signing during like training camp and stuff or preseason. Like this is something that will happen similar to what happened to Chris Silva. Like yeah. it's going to happen like towards the, right before the trade deadline. Yeah. But I do think for sure, like if he shows out and especially like on this two way deal, like they, they have more time to evaluate how he's going to be on the, on the actual like NBA court. Like we're seeing him against guys, you know, who are just fringe guys trying to make it to the teams. If he actually shows out like this still, you know, in the preseason and then like, you know, actually in the regular season, then hell yeah, they're going to give him a three year deal. And what's cool is actually the Heat can give him a four year deal if they really wanted to. Mm hmm. If um if because they already have money on their um, mid level exception that they save for a guy like for Marcus Garrett like they could actually give him part of the mid level and and pay to to give him an extra year so they can actually sign to a, either a four year deal or a three year deal if they really wanted to oh shit which is something they couldn't do if they just gave him a flat out um, minimum contract that's only up to two years uh next question uh, it's related to garrett again uh schmith and schmolnik friend of the program says can another team offer garrett a standard contract if he's on a two-way not right now not right now. not, not oh, on, a, on a two-way no yeah not if he signs a on a two-way no if he's on a two-way he has rights to he and he can convert his two-way until that two-way is like done like he uses up all of his year his service I mean, even then like he can go back to g league and still play for the g league team and he can still keep him so what happened to Duncan, basically? Duncan didn't play that much for the Heat. He stayed on the G League team. He was still on a two-way deal. And then they later converted him to a, a regular NBA contract, mm-hmm. like the last week of the season or something like that. So the Heat could do that um, for Marcus Garrett the same way, or they can stash until next year. Like, the Heat just did that with Max Strews and Gabe Vincent. They were on two-way deals the entire year, for the most part. And now they actually gave him, like, the actual veteran minimum contracts that they, I think they deserve. They, they play pretty well for two way guys. Yeah, for sure. So no, yeah, yeah. No, no, another team cannot push him away. Um, he, ba- he basically has rights. And in fact, right now he has a training camp spot right now. He has, he signed an exhibit 10 contract along with Micah Potter. Um, so those two guys for sure will be on the heat, you know, training camp roster and preseason to try to make the team. And I, you pretty much like assume because this is basically what happened with Chris Silva. Like they gave him the same kind of deal, an exhibit 10 contract. Basically, he gets paid $50,000 to, you know, basically go to the Heat's training camp. He gets paid 50000 no matter what. If he makes the team or not, he gets paid 50000 Nice. So, it's a nice little. Not, another team cannot, cannot pay him to steal him right now nice. until, <laughs> until the Heat basically like let him go, which they could do. And the Heat learned this little restricted free agency trick when uh, they didn't have uh, Hassan Whiteside's uh, bird rights. They had his early bird rights when he was a free agent. And ever since then, it's paid off uh, way more with Duncan and guys like that and having their their restricted free agency 
uh, availability in, and their yep. full bird rights instead of the early ones. So shout in out fact, to Andy. Yeah, it's really smart what they did with, um, I think there's a question. Actually, the next one I, I want to pull up, if you can pull up real quick. Or let me actually answer this one. And then we'll, I want to pull up the one after this, the one on Omer Yurtsurvin, because it actually kind of ties into what, had, yeah. what could happen to Marcus Garrett. But um, this question is from Bull Galaxy. He asks, can he sign Oladipo to a $20 million salary next season while keeping everyone on the roster? Yes. Obviously, he would be a luxury tax team that year because... They're just barely under right now. We're like, I showed you, they're a nine, like almost $400,000 under the luxury tax right now. It's going to go up. I saw projections that's like 4 million more than what they anticipated. Mm-hmm. So it might go up like an extra five or 6 million next year, which helps the heat. But like, obviously, everybody else's salary is still going up because they're on those increases. Like I, I mentioned earlier on Duncan's contract, Bam's contract, Jimmy's contract, they all have increases on their deals. Kyle Lowry's too. So it's not going to matter that much for the Heat. They're going to basically be expected to be a tax-paying team, which is why I'm assuming they're not going to want to be a tax-paying team this year. It yeah, saves yeah. a year of that clock of being a, a repeater tax team. Um, I haven't projected to be if they want to like be a repeater tax team. If they save the luxury tax this year, 2026 would be the earliest because it'd be okay. four in the last five years that they would be a tax team. That's okay, the way we, it works. And we have some biannual exception questions in the, in the tax. So uh, Luke underscore Cheney four asked, does the biannual exception count against the, against the tax? And then Sickless yes. uh, one says, uh, basically, if they use the uh, biannual exception on some better guy, uh, will they have to pay the luxury tax or not? Yes, yes, yes. Yes to both those questions. Yes, they do. No matter what exception they use, Veteran minimum exception, which is the only exceptions they have right now, is veteran minimum exception and then the biannual. Those are the only two contracts they can basically give right now, unless a player gets hurt. Yeah. Like what happened to Myers Leonard, then they, then they can get an injury exception. But yeah. Uh, right now, you know, knock on wood, no one's getting hurt. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, those are two contracts. And then they also have part of the, the mid level, but the mid level is like only 2 million. And I, t- I showed you guys, like, did he get charged 1.66 million? I guess they cap, but the player, if they're a vet minimum guy like Udonis, he's not signing that two million mid level. He can make way more on the veteran minimum contract while the Heat save a lot more too. That makes sense. So any guy that's going to sign that's a veteran, like in a nine, like any basically anybody that's like over five or six years of like playing service, they're going to want to sign to the uh, minimum contract. It's like those guys who are just like rookies, like one or two year deals. Mm, those are guys that you could get you. They would make a little bit more, but in a way, like also helps the Heat too. Because like Yurt Seven signed a contract, but it wasn't that much more than it was less than one point six six actually. Schmiethen Schmiethen um, said they had Hassan's dodo bird rights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but the question right here is actually really important. So Yurt Seven is Omer Yurt Seven, the restricted free agent after this contract. So he actually he signed a two year deal, um, but last year he signed a one year deal. Um, actually, last year you signed a technically a two-year deal with with the option that the Heat could. Um, he basically was non-guaranteed on the second year that was this year. He, per what Barry's reporting, Barry Jackson, Miami Herald, he requested that they would basically rescind this, the, that non-guaranteed year so that he could be a free agent and renegotiate a new contract. I'm assuming this is the only way I, I could see why they want to do it. He can make more money, like a little bit more money, like $100,000 or $200,000 more. Because he is now he has one year of NBA service on his belt, so instead of making what was like nine hundred thousand dollars last year on that one mm-hmm. year, 
or on the first year of that deal, because he's, he has one year service, he can make um, what he's making now. If you want to pull up that cap sheet um, one more time, Brian. Um, but basically, he's making just under 1.6. He's making 1.489 this year. And then next year, he'll make just a little bit more, around 1.6 next year. So he makes a little bit more. And it actually helps him, but also helps him and the Heat in this other instance. They get his bird rights after he has three years of service with the same team. So not this year, but next year, which is the year that he is also non-guaranteed. Um, he could be a free agent after the end of next season. And just like what happened to Duncan, what happened to Nunn, they have a low cap hold on his number. They could go, I'm not even saying that he's going to be a team with space that year because they're probably not. Um, but they could still go over the cap to re-sign their own player that's a free agent. And if he's a reactive free agent, we just saw what happened to none. It's a lot harder to get offers if you know that Miami's going to pretty much match. That makes sense. So if we're assuming he's going to be good, I, mean, I don't know how good he's going to be, but say he's a guy that, what hap- like what happened to none? Like he makes just enough to make maybe like eight or nine or 10 million on the market. You know, the Heat could definitely re-sign him like super easy by just accepting whatever sheet number he gets offered for or better yet what happened to Duncan they can just come to an agreement early and basically scare their teams away from you know sending him an offer sheet because they know Miami's going to accept no matter what they have his bird rights if he's that good it helps the heat to have the bird rights to keep him we'll see and the sign uh will they be, they have sign and trade options with him too if if it comes yeah, to that they, yeah they could but then that that becomes um trickier just like what happened to Nunn and what happened to Duncan like you you basically are you fall under base your compensation. So if he makes more than I want to say more than two twenty percent, is it twenty percent? More than twenty percent of his previous year's salary, then basically what happens is the NBA just takes whatever new contract he's signing for to say he signs for ten million, reduce that in half. Oof. And that's the salary that you're basically using for trade matching purposes. Oh, okay. So that's he still harder. makes ten million dollars, but for trade matching purposes, he makes five. But the team getting him is getting a $10 million salary on their cap sheet. Ah, so for Miami really trade matching match. wise, it's five. So you're, you're basically, you're, you're already $5 million out of the pocket in terms of ma- matching a trade. That becomes super hard. Yeah. That's, and it gets harder the more money he makes. Yeah. So if he makes more than 20%, like that's why, why with Duncan, like that was hard. Unless the team had cap space to bring him in to like, to do the trade matching thing. Like it was hard to like do a sign trade for any team that was over the cap. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, we got a question from Joel from Miami. He says, in order to stay under the salary cap, could the Heat pay anyone else we need to fill the remaining roster spots in Cafecito? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know the answer to that question. Probably not. I think uh, that was one of the things in the CVA I read up yesterday. Like, there's, there's things in the CVA like, that I didn't even show <laughs> Is it you Cafecito guys. Is <laughs> There, there, there's a rule where you can't give them like you can't give them anything under the table. Oh like, yeah, no matter course. what it is, like you, you can't give them free advertising in your arena. Basically, it was like one of the rules I saw. It was like you can't give them free advertising. Like so, like LeBron has a Nike sponsorship. If LeBron, for whatever reason, wanted to come back to the Heat on a veteran minimum contract and still make a shit ton of money, like twenty, thirty million dollars a year, and the Heat wanted to negotiate like a deal with Nike to put like a massive Nike sponsorship in the arena, they can't do that. The Nike Arena. <laughs> So, um, yeah, in fact, uh, like those little things, those are things that the NBA 
is like they don't like. I mean, and this is think what happened to Kawhi. Like, I think they investigated them for it, but um, there was a whole rumor that apparently they like bought him a house and stuff and a bunch of other things. Like, they gave him like all these like exclusive benefits, like a private plane and stuff. Like, these are things you can't do. Those are things that you just. Those are things that are outside of the. NBA restrictions of of like negotiating a free agent. Like you could just pay him. That's about it. You pay him and you can give him bonuses. And to answer your question, Joel, there's no Cuban uh NBA players as far as I know. I think it's only the Lopez brothers, and they're not signing for just cafecito right now. They make too much money. No. You're not you're no. you're not prying Robin away from Disney for a cafecito. Yeah. We have a couple more questions here. How uh okay Seb underscore asks, how much are we paying Lowry this year? 21 uh 22. That's uh yep, the pull base up the graphic. Pull, pull up the graphic, it's super easy to answer. But basically, um Lowry is making an average of $25 million a year. That's $25 million. Yeah. No, yeah, 25 million. Well, I can't even say $25 million a year anymore because of the extra $2. I can't, <laughs> I can't divide it in half anymore. But God damn it, Andy. Around $25 million a year. Is that, no, 20. Hold on. Oh, my bad. I lied. $28 um, million a year average salary. That's his, that's his average salary. But what he's making this year is $26,984,128. Um, Spotrack is your is 5%, friend, people. Your cap friend. Yep. That's the 5% uh, increment on his salary every season until that last year it jumps up to 20, almost 30 million. And there's no, uh, there's no player option, team option on that deal. And fully guaranteed. all that's fully guaranteed. Yep. And two more questions from uh, S Rochester NBA. Can we send our own personal tax and budgeting questions to Brian? Listen, um, I don't do my own taxes, so <laughs> you don't want me to do yours. <laughs> Andy, Andy does it for Brian. Um, that's the secret. <laughs> actually my father-in-law does mine so uh Oop. shout out to him uh <laughs> he's married i don't i don't he's i don't married. i don't know how to yeah i'm married and i don't i don't i don't deal with that stuff because turbo tax to me is super confusing compared to like the cba and the salary cap <laughs> no i was say i was gonna say andy ellisberg is your father-in-law oh secretly. yeah for sure uh and the final question he's taking a nap right behind me <laughs> final question from court C- corner can Brian explain how Barca fumbled the bag in re-signing Messi? Dude, I don't know. Um, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I don't know how they were able to like afford all these players on that team. Like that's a, if you're talking like just a super super team, like they have Neymar, they have Mbappe, right? Now they just added Messi. I, I was looking at how much he's going to make this year. It's like 45 million or something like that. It's ridiculous for, for one for these next two years. He's making that much per season at 34 years old. Listen, I don't know how that works because I know like there's like these um, transfer rights and stuff. I don't think they had to pay anything. Is what I what I read. I don't know how that how that happens. Like if you're Barcelona, how do you not like at least get some money for him for leaving? Like you don't have that as a contingency on your contract before he leaves. You've had him since he was like 13 years old. You don't have that anywhere in your contract for like just like we already knew he wanted to leave a bunch of times. You didn't have that in his contract to begin with to get some kind of money back. I don't know that to me, that made no sense. Um, but I mean, good for him that he's making that much money still at 34 years old. And we, that team's going to be good. That's what it seems like. How long until Mark Cuban cries about tampering for the, for Messi? <laughs> Jesus. Does he have, is he an owner for any of these soccer teams? Probably. You know? 
Fuck that guy. Uh, Nark Stein, <laughs> according, uh, according to Nark Stein, unwinding one of these deals to use the insider term for dismantling an NBA transaction is probably the only measure that the league could take to truly dissuade such overt rule breaking. Oh my God. No, but no that. one that I've encountered in, in recent days expects either sign and trade to be rescinded after both deals were publicly announced as complete. If if you're gonna do that as a precedent, you might as well just rescind every single player that's been signed at six o'clock at the dot. Fucking Woj. The the deuces was not right. just sign trades, not not just sign trades, but every single every single deal that's been announced at six. I, absolutely. And that goes back to the Kevin Durant one because Kevin Durant was signed traded, and he got he got announced before the six o'clock. That was like five thirty. I remember seeing those tweets about him and Kyrie joining. You might as well just go back and rescind theirs too. That's what you want to do. All we have to say is that the deuces was right about Woj. 